living in my own world didn't understand that anything can happen when you take a chance this could be the start of something new it feels so right to be here with you Jay, wow, I, I almost started in Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, no, all right. Uh, welcome, guys, to another episode of Suspiria, a true crime podcast. And this time around, you have me on it, in it, on it, in it. In it, on it. The episode features me. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Yes. You see how things are and how the wait, world wait, works wait, wait. and how Who's things me? are amazing. Who's me? Uh, carol yeah and i'm and stephanie. who is you stephanie yeah. okay yeah let me explain what happened guys because just in case you're not like you know living with us mm-hmm. um this episode was supposed to air like last week mm-hmm. and steph's episode with sam was supposed to be this week yeah and she had already recorded it everything was fine but um unfortunately mm-hmm. I when we record record we oh my god come on we we had recorded this outline already in this case that we're going to talk about today but I lost mm-hmm. my audio file like and these like technological mishaps they happen sometimes you know but happened to me and I'm still mad about it I've rented in separate occasions for at least 25 minutes, minutes each uh for Steph and I keep coming back to it because I mean it was like absurd absurd I'm not gonna bore you with the details but it's just I mean I can't believe that these things happen to me and so we are recording this again and so you guys uh this was supposed to be like our relaunch etc yeah this was was supposed supposed to to kickstart our season three yeah but you guys get it now that's fine all just all, all the same at the end, right? Exactly. There's no difference. You'll still exactly. hear all the gruesome details, so it's fine. Everything. <laughs> I'll repeat every single thing I said last week. Yeah. <laughs> Except that Steph wanted to. I, I want to say this because I mean, you will not be safe from me. Um, Steph wanted to start the episode singing "Sweet Home Alabama." Yes, I did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I've I, I said I vetoed. I said no. <laughs> because she does that to me too sometimes i'm like oh let's sing that and then she's like no yeah yeah and so i didn't even remember sweet home alabama god damn it now i'm gonna be thinking about him um (laughs) what are we talking about today stuff today we are talking about the brutal torture and murder of felipe cafe and leanna friedenbach uh, this case is known as one of the most gruesome crimes in the history of Brazil. We haven't done a Brazilian crime in like forever, yeah. if you notice. Um, and it is mm-hmm. still controversially cited by politicians in order to push their individual agendas, which you will find out what is soon. In a little bit, yeah. yeah. And this is one of the first cases that we wrote on our like list. Yeah, yeah. Like when we first started back in 2018, like we started out this list of all the cases that we wanted to do and this one we, we even wrote down is still there steph do this before the election yeah exactly and then i never did <laughs> yeah. it yeah the election was two years ago yeah no and so it's like yeah this relevant, one's been on the works for a while whatever. no it's always relevant but like this i just wanted to say that because like we've been wanting to do this one for forever and we keep some like that are very you know relevant to us and we don't do all the ones that are you know 
the quote unquote best cases like all at once you know we still have a lot in, like you know waiting mm-hmm. yeah yes See? oh my god my english is so slow today guys i'm so sorry but you know we still have a lot of stuff on the works here yes and so this one is one of them and congratulations you're gonna get to hear all the horrible information you're gonna get to get upset with us a yes little bit. you're gonna be outraged yeah. oh yeah so uh the sources for today's episode are a tv show called anatomia do crime uh another uh special that was on tv um it was a 10 year anniversary special called a grande reportagem wikipedia for obvious reasons like we always use wikipedia for one thing or another um <laughs> yeah fantastical which is like our near and dear uh tv show the best <laughs> r7 mundo estranho the super interessante magazine ponte folha de são paulo terra and folha de são paulo piauí which is funny because it's hilarious. It's it's as if you're saying like the New Yorker, Washington D.C. Yeah, you know, because Piauí is a state, so in São Paulo is another state. So so, uh, Liana Bay Friedenbach was born in São Paulo on May 6, nineteen eighty-seven. She came from an upper middle class family. Her father Ari was a lawyer, and her mother's name is Marcia. She also had a 12-year-old brother at the time named Ilan. What is known uh, about her is that she had lived in the Jardins neighborhood in Sao Paulo for several years. We don't really know whether she was born and raised there, but every source just said that she had been living there forever. Um, she was very, very close to her father, and she attended the San Luis school, which is where she met our other victim, Felipe. Jardins is a very nice neighborhood. Like, it's on the portion of Sao Paulo that I was from, that I was from like, uh, the southern region of the city. But I don't... I mean, I'm not from there. It's a lot nicer than the place I was from, which is already pretty nice. But I don't know the school, San Luis. But, I mean, I can relate to the whole private school whole thing because I was, you know, a part of that universe too. Once upon a time, years ago. Once upon a time when she so. was rich, now she is a peasant. I lost, I lost all the <laughs> millions, guys. <laughs> Bad pyramid schemes. Yeah, horrible life. Um, anyway, <laughs> our other victim, Felipe Silva Café, was also born in São Paulo, but his birthday was July 1st, 1984. He came from a middle-class family and lived in this neighborhood called Vila da Saúde. His mother, Lenice, was a nurse, and he was one of four children. His dad's name is Reinaldo. His mother described him as being the most lovable of her children. Uh, she also said that her son had enrolled in the school, the San Luis school, um, where he met uh, Liana in the beginning of the school year of 2003, whereas Liana enrolled during the second semester. So the beginning mm -hmm. of the school year in Brazil is February and ends in December. Just so we know. Yeah, so she enrolled like in August. Yeah. Which is the beginning of the school year here. But they're like transferring schools in the middle of the school year is very uncommon. Yeah. Like it barely happens. I really did that actually. And, it, I, and yeah. I ended up transferring oh, into the best school that I've ever attended in my mm -hmm. life. So. Yeah. <laughs> Some schools don't even allow it. Like yeah. you try to and you just can't. Yeah. According to witnesses, they started talking in the school patio. And Felipe jokingly asked if she wanted to date him. 
Adi remembers that in September of 2003, he went to the school to pick Liana up and saw Felipe walking her to the car. He asked if they were dating and she giggled and said, not yet. The next day, the very same thing happened. He walked her to the car, but this time, Liana said that, yeah, they were dating. Things move very fast when you're a teenager. Yeah, I love that. Feels like, yeah, I kind of miss these, like, years even though i never really dated someone like seriously in school not in brazil anyways but dude but i miss like even with friendships it was like okay yeah. i just met you well we're best friends now and then the next day you're yeah, like we're fun. not best friends anymore <laughs> that was like a while ago yeah yeah there's a bit of a debate as to how the families felt about the relationship Adi stated in a 2013 interview that he thought it was nice that his daughter was dating Felipe. However, in an interview with uh, Terra, Lenise said that uh, though people played nice in front of Adi, when he was away, he pressured Liana to end the relationship due to the fact that Felipe didn't have as much money as Liana did. Yeah. Which is very complicated, but, like, it happens, you know? I don't think it's healthy to, like, ignore that these things happen, like, in those circles, which I was a part of, you know? But there is, like, Brazil is racist, yes, but it's classicist. Yeah. So it's, like, a mix of everything that's bad. <laughs> it's unbelievable how, like, segregated, like, it is uh, based in class. So even though they're, they're studying in the same school, even though they both like you know white looking individuals mm -hmm. they look similar yeah but it's because she has more money than he does and so she's the princess and can date uh you know exactly the common person like felipe was yeah so on halloween of 2003 a friday Liana told her dad that she would be traveling with a group of her friends from the Israeli community to Ilha Bella, which I was asking Kara about the other day because I mm -hmm. keep seeing people posting like stories uh, in Ilha Bella and I'm like, oh, I wonder if it's a nice place. So I asked Carol and yeah. she was like, yeah, people go there all the time. <laughs> yeah, Ilha Bella is really nice. Like it's common for, for people to have like a, a beach house or something in Ilha Bella. It's not the nicest uh beach around sao paulo because mm -hmm. sao paulo is like a big city we don't have beaches there in case you don't know but it's like an hour away from the beach Bella is pretty nice like i know people that had houses in Bella, but it's i mean it's cool it's like a nature kind of place it's nice yeah yeah maybe i'll go there someday <laughs> so <laughs> ari stated that uh they traveled together the group uh quite often so i didn't really think that the announcement was out of the ordinary while he would typically drive her to the bus stop and make sure that she got in the bus all right, he said that this time she told him that he didn't have to worry about anything because Philippi would be taking her to the bus stop. Mm -hmm. So they were pretty fucking serious because her dad's like yeah. letting him walk her to the bus. Um, Philippi yeah. told his mother that he was going camping. She assumed that he would be accompanied by his friends and she didn't really ask a ton of questions about it. In an interview, she stated that her last memory of him was seeing him leave the house with his little backpack on his shoulders. Nothing really seemed out of the ordinary. The thing is, the couple wasn't being completely truthful with the parents mm -hmm. and no one else. 
There's a lot of speculation as to why they decided to lie, but in reality, we'll never find out. It could be that they thought that their parents wouldn't approve of it, but it could also be that they wanted to go on an adventure together. At the end of the day, what they really had in mind for the weekend was a camping trip where they would be all by themselves. I totally understand that, too, like, kind of lying to your parents because you don't want to be like you know mom i'm fucking tonight or something you know like you want to you yeah yeah you can't exactly like doesn't matter how like open-minded your parents are like you can't you know give him those ideas because then they're gonna say no yeah no and i feel like a big part of it is like the place that they were going to which we will describe in a bit is like Mm-hmm. a tiny bit sketchy so i feel like her parents would be like uh yeah, nope. no mm-hmm. yeah yeah and also shows that like it was it could be a sketchy place but she trusted him you know exactly like exactly. she didn't think she was he didn't think too that they were in any kind of danger because if they thought they wouldn't have gone mm-hmm. to that place mm-hmm. you know and oh my god i was gonna say something else oh yeah younger members of the audience i'm here to as an older person telling you okay never lie to your parents about where you're going you can lie about who you're going with yeah all right but say like i'm going to this place lie about everything else circumstances who you're going why you're going but don't lie as to like where because you never know when anything's gonna happen you know yeah just yeah you have to be responsible with what you're saying be responsible with your lies okay exactly (laughs) be a good liar (laughs) don't call me don't call me that that's not my responsibility so liana and felipe met up and headed downtown sometime in the afternoon as the night fell they settled at the sao paulo Art museum at the paulista avenue so let me explain about uh this whole sentence in case you didn't understand what was going on so they live in like the southern part of sao paulo but uh jardins right around that mm-hmm. area and the downtown we call it the center of the city which is like the financial district downtown etc um imagine like you know going from like brooklyn or whatever to like wall street mm-hmm. like you know yeah. you, they're far away like it's it's far removed still the same city but it's a totally different scenario and the place they decided to stay is the sao paulo art museum maspi uh m-a-s-p google that if you want to have a visual of what i'm saying the building is like the museum is on the second uh story of the building but the first one is nothing. It's like empty. So people, it's not like a first story, second story house. It's nothing. Like the building is like elevated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's it's like, you know, nothing underneath it. And people hang out there a lot. And that's exactly what Liana and Felipe did. So the place is typically pretty busy during the day, but sort of deserted at night. They spent the night there, sitting on a bench, waiting for time to pass, so buses would start running again. Buses, they stopped running at, like, midnight, I think. Might be a little later now, mm-hmm. but at least when I left, it was midnight, and they start running a little before the workday starts, so, like, 4, 3 or 4 in the morning. It's not that late. Uh, they spent the night there, etc., 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 on around 5 a.m. on the 1st, they go to the Tietê bus terminal and got to a bus to Largo 13. It took about an hour to get there. Sao Paulo is huge, you guys. And then they hopped on the, another bus to Imbuguaçu, which is a city, uh, like a, a adjacent city from Sao Paulo, but it's fucking far away. And that took about two hours. 
And then they finally take a van to Santa Rita, another small city town, etc., hopping out at the very last stop. So they were far removed. Far, far removed. Yeah. So Liana spoke to her father during the morning as he was walking their dog. He typically called the members of the family a few times throughout the day, which would absolutely drive me insane. <laughs> I know. Right? Like, don't ever call me, but you can text me and I'll respond. <laughs> he asked if everything was okay. She said yes, and he thought it was weird because there was not a lot of noise in the background, and like she's supposed to be traveling with the group of teenagers. So yeah. he was like, um, what yeah. the heck? And she was like, oh, well, well, people were like sort of asleep, so that's why it's really quiet. Mm. And he was like, okay, they disconnected and the day went on for him. The streets at the last stop of the van that they took were, were unpaved. The houses around there were not very luxurious. And since the couple was lugging around a ton of bags, like they had a lot of luggage, uh, it is possible that they caught the attention of everyone around there because they looked like they stuck out like a sore thumb. Like, yeah. she was very well-dressed. Like, she wasn't dressing like, fancy clothes, but, like, if you looked at her, you would know mm-hmm. that she was not from there. Yeah, as we mentioned, Brazil is very segregated. Sao Paulo is very segregated. So you can see, kind of, like, that the person doesn't belong there. And it's just the look, just, like, the body language. It, like, it's completely different people, and it's crazy. But unless you see, like, I can't explain it, unless you see it. Yeah. Like, you know, if you go there, you're going to notice yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. So they walked about 400 meters between the bus stop and the start of a little trail that took them to their final destination. They briefly ran into Roberto Aparecido Alves Cardoso, also known as Champinha, and Paulo Sa- Paulo Cesar da Silva Marques, also known as Pernambuco, somewhere between the street and the campsite. We don't really know mm. where. Nevertheless, they arrived at Cito Dole. So now the place is abandoned. And, I mean, it's like a grange, like a chicken coop kind of place. And the pictures I saw from it, right, it's like, it's just... It's like a house with no walls and just the ceiling, right? Yeah, it's like an, an, an yeah. abandoned, like, it's like an little place. farmhouse, yeah, sort mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Yeah. So, previously, it had been owned by an artist, which can clearly be seen uh, because it has, like, pretty tile decorations and statues all around the main house. And the last owner, Manuel, had abandoned the property after he was robbed at gunpoint. So... He was shot and he was almost murdered at that incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't want to be, you know, back at that place either if it was me. Felipe had been going to the same site since he was fourteen. The area was actually pretty popular among the youth and was still popular, and it is still quite popular to this day. Uh, there's a meetup of Jeep owners, actually. It takes place very close to the house, and people will still camp and have cookouts in the area. Upon arriving there, Felipe and Liana set up a tent and tried to settle to what they thought was going to be an intimate weekend. So, we can see here, too, again, that Felipe thought he was safe, mm-hmm. that he, it was a place that he knew. Yeah. It was something that he had already done a few times. You know, so... And uh, something that other people did, too. Like, if you yeah, exactly. look for it on YouTube, there's actually videos of people, like, 
having cookouts in the same area and there's pictures of felipe and his brothers and like his friends before this they were all camping around the same area so it, it like it was a weird place but like but it's not sketchy it, like if exactly you, you lose the fear after you go there a few times exactly Benamboco and champinha were from the area so champinha was born in either 1986 or 87 he was the fourth of five children so i mean he was a teenager when all this happened his mother Maria was a housewife, while his father Genesio was a groundkeeper, groundskeeper who had retired after having a stroke. His father d- died prematurely in his thirties, uh, since he was an alcoholic. The family got by financially because Champigny's older brother worked uh, in a musical store, fa- in a musical store factory, you know, in a musical instrument factory, while his sister worked in retail. Champigny himself also worked helping out a groundskeeper and also doing some farm work on the side. Mm-hmm. He left school either during the fourth or third grade, barely knowing how to read or even sign his name because that's very common too that uh, people don't know how to read or write, but they know how to like they have a signature, they know how to write their names. Champigny was known around his neighborhood. Uh, for his violent tendencies and past criminal history. He was a suspect in the murder of a homeless man. What a life. Can you imagine? Yeah, and he's like 16. <laughs> like, pfft. can you imagine having I, done I, all I of that? I didn't murder any homeless men when I was 16. I don't understand. When I was 16, I murdered my <laughs> social life by writing fanfics. Um <gasps> So, Champigny and Pernambuco were walking around the woods trying to hunt armadillos, which is, like, the fucking weirdest thing to hunt ever. I know, right? But like you, can't hold, you can't hunt so many other things, and armadillos are not that common either. Yeah. You can see one or two, like, isolated. It's yeah, weird. like, I feel like my dad has had armadillo meat before. My dad has, like, uh, eaten yikes. the weirdest shit ever. Like, my sidebar for one second, my dad's family... <laughs> They used to make this stuffing with like giant ants, and they would eat Ooh, it. Uh huh. And they would like he no. and he tells me he's like, oh, it tastes so good. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I believe you, but thanks, I'm not gonna taste it, Dad. Thank you very much. Jeez. Yeah. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. when the two ran into the couple, Pernambuco was stricken by Liana's beauty, and they assumed that the couple would be going camping. Uh, the friends kept moving and went to an acquaintance's house to get a drink. The man, the acquaintance, was Antonio Caetano Silva. He was also a groundskeeper, but he was in his 50s. So what the fuck is a 50-year-old man doing hanging out with a young adult and a teenager? Yeah. Like, what? That would be like my dad hanging out with people who are younger than me. That's just weird. Like, my dad would be like, we have nothing in common. Stop talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what the fuck are you going to talk about? Honestly. Exactly. So... <clears throat> During the afternoon, they decided that they would rob the couple that they had seen because why the fuck not, right? Like we're bored. Yeah. Like we already hunted our little armadillos. Let's yeah. just. Yeah. I mean, this. people usually go camping with a lot of money and all their valuables, right? Makes yeah, Leanne, sense. I'm sure she had like a Thanos type like, rings <laughs> yeah. on her fingers. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. So mm-hmm. armed with a machete and a shotgun. They headed back into the woods at night and quickly found the couple's campsite. So, like, just so you know, since they are from the area, it's not very hard for them to navigate the woods at night. So it's not like if you threw me and Carol into the woods, we would just die. (laughs) We wouldn't move. We would just die right, right where you left us. 
We would not move. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Shampinha tore through the tent with the machete. While Pernambuco screamed, wake up, wake up, poking them with the shotgun. Now, imagine the terror. Don't like that. He then went on to ask if they were rich kids, which uh, Liana said that her family had money and Felipe said that he had a job. He wasn't rich, but he had a job. The two perpetrators then finished a wine bottle that the couple had opened. So the audacity. That's so sad. Like, the audacity of these people. Can you imagine someone, just a random person comes by you and starts chugging your wine? Ugh. Yeah. So, the men covered their heads with towels, and then they walked for, uh, covered the victims' heads with towels, and then they mm-hmm. walked for about... <laughs> That'd be funny, <laughs> just the criminals. <laughs> yeah. Like, that would be weird. Yeah. They walked for about two kilometers until they arrived back at Antonio's house. The room they were initially held in, uh, Felipe and Liana, was pretty small with old furniture and a coal stove that let out smoke which stained the walls and ceiling. Now, I don't know how familiar you guys are with coal stoves, but let me tell you, my grandma had one and you do not maintain those kids, those kids, those things inside the house. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's an outdoor type of thing. Like the food yeah. made on those is fantastic. It just tastes different. It tastes yeah. amazing. But you don't put that inside your house. Even then, you close all the windows. Yeah. You tie your hair back because it's gonna be smelling yeah. like smoke. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. No, it's no. like it's, no. Yeah. Exactly. So, mm. so um, there were also some random tools thrown around, like axes, a hoe, a couple of sickles, and a machete. The place was filthy. Really filthy. And it looked mm-hmm. more like a storage room than a house. Um, in one of the rooms, torn mattresses covered a full-size bed. Its foam was exposed. Um, there was a lot of trash around the bed, too, and cardboard boxes. I'm going to try to see if I can find a picture to post. It looks mm-hmm. like an episode of Hoarders. It's really disgusting. It does. It's really Like, gross. it's so dirty that, like, the mattress is, like black not even brown yeah it's it's like black really gross it's it's it doesn't look like a place where someone would live um a second room also had a bed and cabinets that were falling apart ari liana's dad described his daughter as a spoiled girl who wasn't used to such filth he spent quite a few days in the woods himself while they searched for the couple so we can only imagine what was going through her head when she like they uncovered her face and she was in this mm. disgusting ass house. Yeah. I mean, I put myself on her place. Like, I would already be kind of struggling with the whole camping idea. Yeah, it's not like camping. And that, yeah, exactly. And that just escalates to like a whole new level that you're, you can't even prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's 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 very upsetting. Felipe was taken to one of the bedrooms by Pernambuco. Some reports say that he say that the man then violently raped the girl, who was still a virgin, by the way, multiple times throughout the night. Other reports say that Pernambuco and Champinha took turns raping her while Felipe could hear everything from the other side of the wall. Some reports also state that throughout the night, the men would pitch Felipe against Champinha and tell him to fight the criminal. Felipe was much stronger than Champinha, so he would win, and they would then tie him tie him up so Champinha could beat him up. 
What a fucking loser. Uh, but the next morning, I, I mean, <laughs> like, this is clearly like they have no idea what they're doing. So they're like, yeah, let's have fun with these guys. You know, it's it's just very upsetting. By the next morning, Liana was physically and emotionally scarred. At around 6 a.m., the four left and walked around for about an hour. I don't like early morning strolls. She must have been very, very upset. Like, it is fucking, yeah. At some point, Liana and Champigna stayed behind while Felipe, whose hands were tied, kept moving with Pernambuco. Felipe was made to kneel and then shot point blank on the back of the head. Yeah. Distressed by the noise, Liana asked Champigna what happened and he lied, telling her that Felipe had been freed. Why would the freedom make a noise? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, I... Yeah, like, we shot to celebrate. Come on. I understand that they probably said this so like she wouldn't panic, but yeah. I feel like that would cause more panic. Like, with yeah, me personally, like, if I heard a gunshot, I'd be like, the fuck not? <laughs> and like, start <laughs> screaming and like, trying yeah. to run. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's tough to, like, think about what we were doing in these situations, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, we never know. I would probably just just cry. Just nothing. Yeah. Pernambuco left, and the other two went back to Antonius's house. They spent the entire Sunday there, where, where she was, again, raped multiple times. So, Ari kept trying to call Liana, and he thought it was quite strange that her phone was going straight to voicemail. Like, there was no... Um, signal for it by the end of sunday he went to the bus stop where the youth group would typically be dropped off and he saw that there was nobody there so he was like what thinking that it was more than strange he called up liana's best friend who told him the truth that she had gone camping with felipe he found felipe's address Mm -hmm. in liana's address book which do you guys remember having an address book (laughs) so vintage and he went over to Felipe's house. Felipe's family told Ari that Felipe had gone camping to Embuguasu. Then, like, Ari didn't really panic. Um, what he did was uh, go to Embuguasu because he thought that they maybe missed the last mm-hmm. bus or they were lost or whatever. Um, so he drove around the town until they, the wee hours of the night and he couldn't really find a single soul. He went back to Sao Paulo, went to the 4th Police District, and filed a missing persons report. Ilan, Liana's brother, then confessed that Liana had told him about the trip, and she said that she would call to let him know everything was alright, but she never called. Mm. And it is said that, like, he felt really guilty about not telling his parents, but he just wanted to keep his sister's secret. Yeah, but he was, like, what, 13? 12, yeah. 12 yeah i mean um so sad yeah so on monday morning antonio caetano da silva returned to the house so he hadn't spent the night there he just left like what what sir what were you doing all night (laughs) if you left these four people in your house like where'd you sleep yeah um a third man was also part of the group now agnaldo pires he was a known alcoholic with no set steady job Liana sat on a stool. Her head was bent down. She was naked and she was crying a lot. Champinha told the man, and I quote, 
This is a kidnapping. We already killed the dude and I fucked her. She's really hot. You can have her if you want to. Jeez. Like, he, like, just hearing all of this is just so fucking, oh my god. Bring me chills, like, just picturing her. <sighs> anyway, at this point, Agnaldo pulled his pants down and raped Liana. He would go on to say that, quote, I couldn't come because I was too drunk. Like, I wish you would have died. Oh my god. I wish you would have had a stroke and just died right then and there. They stayed there the entire day and Agnaldo stated that Liana remained quiet and he never really heard her voice. Like, he didn't even know what her voice sounded like because she was in such shock. She didn't even, like, scream. Antonio cooked, made coffee, and he swears up and down that he did not rape Liana, which I do not believe. Yeah. Uh, Champinha and Agnaldo took turns raping her throughout the day. It's so upsetting. Like, I don't even know what to say. It is. Like, who thinks of doing things like this? Like, how fucked up do you have to be? Yeah. Adi returned to Mbuguasu bright and early on monday at 7 a.m he went on the bus he went to the bus station where he found the driver of the van who who had taken the couple close to the campsite he went into the woods and ran into the ripped tent liana's cell phone was there he contacted the authorities news stations and everyone under the sun police then started to search the woods not knowing that felipe was already dead all right pause why is the dad of a missing person investigating yeah by himself yeah like this is the police's job like come on dude like i'm not even saying that like but like by itself it should already just been the police because that's their job like she was already a missing person like why aren't you investigating but like why aren't you why are you letting someone that has no training the guy has, like, no skills. He could be walking into a very dangerous situation. Yeah. In those woods. And they're just letting him go. Like, no, do it yourself. It's your job. You're the police. Yeah. Honestly. And this says a lot about how serious missing persons cases are. How seriously they're taken in Brazil. Because Liana's not a poor black girl from a slum. Okay? Like. Yeah. Her dad Finn was going to be investigated. Exactly. Yeah, like, her dad and It's has, horrible to say that, but it's the reality. Yeah, her dad has money. She's, like, white passing as fuck. So, like, they should be on top of this. But they were not. Not until he found the tent. That's when they were like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, now I see a serious. Thank yeah. you for the... For, thank you for your work. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for your service. Yeah, the other case <laughs> that we covered too of a missing girl, uh, Thais Copala Hoop. Yeah, it's been a while since covered that. That the mom did a whole a whole investigation. Like, if it wasn't for for the mom, and you know, she was also rich, white passing girl. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. A businessman, a businessman heard about the story and landed Adi his helicopter. That's a dream, right? Have someone lend you the yeah, helicopter? No like, here, take it. Yeah, let's take it. Yeah. It was flown over. It was flown over the woods, and five thousand fires with the pictures of the couple were thrown there. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, they walked around four kilometers to another acquaintance's house. Talking about uh, Liana and Felipe again. 
Antonio Matias de Barros. That's the name of the guy. He lived in a small house near a lake. Champinha would hug Liana and introduce her to everyone as his girlfriend. Yeah, because if you don't have a girlfriend, that's what you do. You just kidnap a girlfriend and kill her boyfriend. And, and like, then, you're the boyfriend now. Can't we just talk about, like, can you look at yourself in the mirror and then look at Liana <laughs> and then tell yourself that people are actually going to believe that she's your girlfriend? No. no you're way. not even on the same level. No. In any but way, shape, or form. I don't form. think he cares. Yeah. Liana wore a hoodie, partially covering her face, and she was left in such a state of shock that she never even tried to tell anyone the truth. Her and Champinha sat by the lakeside as he fished. Throughout the afternoon, his brother Gilberto approached him, letting him know that their mom was worried about him since he hadn't been home in a few days. He also mentioned that there was heavy police activity in the area. This seemed to spook Champinha, who would take off in the middle of the night, going back to Antonio Cartanis' house. Yeah. So, some reports of this say that the police was there because they were looking for um, Felipe and Diana. Then other mm -hmm. reports say that the Felipe, that the police went <laughs> over Champigny's house because they wanted to question him about something completely like unrelated. Mm. Don't know, but whatever. Uh, they, Champigny and Diana, arrived at Antonio Caetano's house at around 5 a.m. They drank some coffee, and then Champigny took Liana out yet again. They walked through the woods for three kilometers. Liana walked ahead of him. They walked by a stream, and then Champigny called out her name and started swinging the machete at her. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it initially hit her on the left side of her neck. She fell backwards, and he kept swinging. Although she tried to escape, she would go on to be stabbed around 15 times. Uh, the machete hit her over the head, causing head trauma. I think it was like with the blunt part of it. And this would eventually kill her. Champinha washed the machete in the stream and he headed back to his mother's house. He took off his bloody clothes and used them to conceal the weapon. Got inside the house and he went right back to sleep as if nothing had happened. Oh, come on. Yeah. His brother had told him uh, that the police had been around and they had asked something about him. So he mm -hmm. calmly headed to the police station, gave a statement, and he was sent on his merry way. Champinha then went to his aunt's house in Itapecerica da Serra, which I don't know mm -hmm. how far that is from where they were, but... It's all there. Yeah. It's all the middle. Yeah. Yeah. A bushman named Arnaldo called Ari late at night telling him that he worked as a guide to tourists letting him know taking them around uh the local trails mm -hmm. bushman is the person that likes the guide etc right mm -hmm. but i mean we went into kind of like a lot of confusion the first time we read through this because like what the fuck's a bushman <laughs> yeah right like i think of like a caveman is a man that lives in the caves and so a bushman is you know someone who lives in the bushes and it pops out like hey I'm yeah the bushman. Exactly. you know i picture that like a character exactly accurate mm -hmm. so but no the guy was very civil i believe <laughs> he asked adi if he would give him the permission to search around the area for liana to which he agreed while walking through while walking through the trails he ran into Antonio Cartanio 
oh my god, Antonio Caetano, and took him to, to the police station. Antonio quickly confessed to everything and pointed the finger at Champinha. The man involved would soon be arrested. Champinha confessed to the crime, showing no remorse whatsoever, and took the cops directly to where the bodies were located. <sighs> I'm just glad that they caught him fast, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm just glad, because, I mean... And, like, if it weren't for this Bushman, I wonder what would have happened. Because it was, he yeah. he said it in an interview that it was, like, by total chance that he ran into the other dude. Yeah, and, I mean, I feel like the police would just have to comb through the woods and stuff for days and days. Mm-hmm. And then after two days, if they didn't find the body, they would just be like, yeah, she's probably in here. Declare her dead and let's yeah. finish this up. Exactly. You know? Four out of the five men involved were tried within the next few years and charged as adults. So, like, um, I mean, since Champion was only 16 at the time, he could not be charged as such. Antonio Caetano was sentenced to 124 years in prison, Pernambuco to 110, and Agnaldo Pires to 47 years, and Antonio Barros to 7 years. So, do you want to explain a little bit, like, about the right now or i think we're gonna go into it but basically like it. Okay, in, yeah. in brazil basically if you're under 18 you are a minor and they don't charge you as an adult even if you yeah. brutally rape and murder Kill a girl yeah. yeah so you get sent to like a juvie yeah type of situation and when you're 18 you're they out. free you like it doesn't matter how serious your crime is mm-hmm. like obviously this is enraging and very upsetting but this is done thinking about less serious crimes like you know drug offenses and yeah that kind of thing like it allows for young people to start out their adult life with a blank slate mm-hmm. which i think is a very uh a very good thought and a very good intention but it gets very poorly executed much like everything else in the brazilian judicial system yeah we're gonna get into that in a little bit but yeah i mean it's the, the, it should be an exception, I think, for murder and yeah. rape, that kind of thing. Because, yeah. So, <laughs> now let's <laughs> dissect this monster of a case. Several different specialists have tried to make sense of Champigny's mind and how he became such a monster. Forensic psychiatrist Guido Palomba analyzed the case and stated that Liana had no shot at survival, really. Champigny only worried about his own satisfaction. He described the murderer as a pseudo-psychopath, meaning someone who behaves like a psychopath but takes it into a whole next level. Mm. He's, like, a lot more cruel and brutal. Guido says that for someone to be like Champigny, they would have to undergo a change that affected their brain at a young age, such as childhood meningitis, uh, hypoxia, which is, like, not having enough air in your brain, mm. or an infection passed to them by their mothers while in utero. Champion reportedly took a long, long time to cry upon his birth. His face was blue, thus evidence of mm. a hypoxia was very strong. There is also his family history, his alcoholic dad, mental alienation within the family. Basically, when it came to nature versus nurture, he definitely was naturally a monster. Um... 
He mm. also said, uh, Guido, that Champigny could not be fixed by medicine because no one could go into his brain and make him feel sorry for what he had done. No one could instill ethical and moral values onto him or teach him how to feel compassion or be selfless. So, like, he's a monster. There's no fixing him. You just have to accept that he's a monster, basically. Which is rough. Uh, criminologist Christian Costa, on the other hand, thinks that we can't really say for certain that Champignon was a psychopath because he wasn't yet 18 when he committed these horrible crimes. He hadn't fully developed psychologically, physically. His brain was still developing, not to mention all the hormones that teenagers have, like, hormonal balances and all of that. Yeah, but fuck that. I mean, <laughs> calm down. He, he does say, I'm though, sorry. that okay. he doesn't believe that Champigny's childhood played a role in this. He had a difficult childhood, but this couldn't explain his criminal behavior. He chose to be a criminal. Mm-hmm. He theorized that perhaps because this was his first heinous crime, he had taken his sweet time killing Liana. He waited for several days to do so, which shows that in his mind, he was maturing. This was his first big crime. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of scary that the escalation is, like, non-existent. Yeah. You know? Like, it might not be his first crime, per se, but that's quite a jump from other things, like, yeah. for sure. Aside from the obvious gruesomeness of this case as a whole, a big point of controversy was the fate that awaited Champinha. The Brazilian statute of children and adolescents only requires someone to remain at, you know, the juvie facility like we said, until they're 18 years old, if they committed a crime as a teen. Afterwards, their record is expur- expunged, expurged, and they can buy- basically start out, start out new. Mm-hmm. And they can basically start out new. The authorities involved in this case, though, clearly saw a problem with this. Champinha had told the investigators that he tortured Liana because he felt like it. He didn't regret it and felt no empathy towards her or Felipe. It would clearly be a very dangerous. It, it would clearly be very dangerous to put him out on the street after he turned eighteen. He was a danger to society. They called on the civil court to help with this. Champinha was deemed incapable of caring for of caring for himself, for his own property. So a guardian was appointed to him. He was then sent to a, faci- to a state facility for treatment. This is described by Guido Palomba as a loophole because according to criminal law, Champigny should have been set free. But technicality ensured that he wouldn't really be. Champigny was never tried. He spent three years at the Fundação Casa, which is the juvie kind of place. And then he was sent to an experimental health center in which he remains to, uh, to this day. Yeah. This is, like, so out of the ordinary. Yeah. And if you listen to this podcast, like, for long enough, you probably noticed that with the Brazilian cases, that people get people go to jail for, like, 10 years for murder. Because yeah. that's the way the system is. Uh, again, we always talk about this, like, and I already said it on this, like, podcast today, but uh everything is done with the best of intentions i think it's just poorly but it's just poorly executed yeah because i mean the system brazilian system is heavily focused on rehabilitating criminals people that committed crimes Mm -hmm. uh to reintroduce them to society and i think that's marvelous i honestly think is what should be the sentiment when you're 
you know punishing people for crimes it's not like cruel kind of thing and rather it's a, a fixing mm-hmm. you know the person so but i think that some people just can't be fixed yeah that's you know? true and so there sh- there should be some loopholes for that like you should be able to uh you know recognize what kind of people have what kind of person has like a very serious ailment like champagne has yeah and just keep him away from society because it's dangerous you know i believe that this you know a person that is like not capable of living living of living in society is the person that should be like spending life in prison not someone just because they killed someone you know what i mean like i feel like there should be a very a lot of caution when you're talking about like sentences and stuff mm-hmm. and so when like even like steph and i say something like oh he should be rotting in jail or something it's it's easy to say something like that you know but like we need to be careful with these things and brazil especially now we're gonna talk a little bit about this uh, in a second but people are very fatalistic yeah you know people they want to change everything like completely and uh, people say like you should kill criminals like yeah. just kill all of them like death penalty for like every rapist yeah you know and so it's i mean it's very complicated to talk about things like in this kind of like general situation like very generalized kind of you know thoughts that people usually have yeah. which uh, is just this dangerous anyways yes. yeah so this case would be brought up repeatedly and linked to the subject of lowering the age of criminal responsibility. Paloma stated that lowering the age is not really the way to solve things. He says, and we quote, at 17 years and 364 days old, if someone commits a crime, they go to juvie and then they're sent to sent in for psychological treatment. If they commit a crime a day later, and it is a heinous crime, they would get 30 years in jail. According to him, this doesn't really make a lot of sense because someone's brain doesn't automatically snap and like mature with the flip of a switch when they turn 18. He suggests instead the concept of semi-imputability slash liability. Liability is an easier word, so I'm going to use that. (laughs) (laughs) Under this concept, Someone under 12 years old could not be held liable for a crime. From 12 to 18, they were semi they would be semi liable. He gives a practical example so that we can like picture this a little better. Let's say someone commits a crime such as theft at 14 and they're sentenced to 6 years. Because of their age and lack of priors, the final sentence could be cut short by 2 thirds. So they would go to juvie for 2 years. Now, if they committed another crime at 16 after leaving the prison and it was something serious like a homicide, they would be judged as a regular criminal. Since they now had priors, the sentence wouldn't be reduced. So if they were, for example, sentenced to 12 years, then they would serve the first two in juvie until they're 18 and then go to a regular prison until the end of their sentence, which I think is very reasonable. A certain somebody known to you guys as Jair Bolsonaro, mm-hmm. has used Liana's story as a soapbox in defense of the reduction of the age of criminal responsibility for years. He's been talking about this nonstop. Adi personally contacted Bolsonaro's office in 2015, telling him that he wasn't authorized to use the family story to spew out hate speeches or try to give credibility credibility. Jesus Christ, to his proposals, 
to Congress because he was a congressman before he was president. Mm -hmm. As he drew closer to a presidential candidacy, candidacy, Bolsonaro's supporters would go as far as creating memes with Leona's face and the phrase, I was raped for five days and then decapitated with a machete, followed by a picture of Bolsonaro that said, Bolsonaro wants to prevent this from happening again. So he's literally tokenizing a murder victim. How the how how dare you do that? How dare you like put words in the mouth of a dead person? First of all, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't know what she believes. Like you don't know what what she would think of Bolsonaro, right? Yes. And that guy's a fuck. Like how how dirty of a politician do you have to be? Honestly, like there's so many things that are wrong with Brazil, and you can like tackle so many topics but you have to go right as to like you know a dead person yeah and like create a whole agenda around her and felipe too right but for, forget about felipe right yeah like nothing to do with him like he's not mentioned at all a lot of times and like her dad contacted him and said please don't talk about this Honestly, Steph, if someone contacted us and said, please take this episode down, I don't want you guys talking about my sister or something, like, not even a thought. We'll take it down, like, instantly. Exactly. You Which know? is what you, don't you do keep... as a decent human. Exactly. You don't keep, like, feeding your political agenda on anything. This is crazy. Yeah. This is, like, it's, like, the whole thing, the whole story is just upsetting, like, by itself. But then, like, it just keeps on giving. Like, it's just horrible. This is awful and like even okay you want to defend your little lowering the age of whatever that's your prerogative but like you can do that without ever mentioning any murder victims actually you can just say i don't know statistics show that this and that done Mm -hmm. see you don't have to use a girl's murder to tell people that you're a dickbag yeah and these people like people that support bolsonaro usually because i mean this is like I understand that you can't control what people say when they support you, you know, and it could be that Bolsonaro's not creating the memes, but the people that follow him are, you know. But that says a lot about him, too, you know. And the fact like, that, like, he drums on this again and again and again just emboldens them. Like, mm-hmm. let's say uh, if he had actually, like, if he had seen this meme and he was like, you know, guys, like, he publicly said, you know, guys, like, please don't please yeah. do not do this. I'm all for lowering the age, but I don't think this is the way to go. That would be one thing. But mm-hmm. he didn't say shit. Yeah. And he used to say a lot, like, you know, I'm not responsible for what other people say. You know, like, if I have people that are racist, who have people that are, uh, you know, sexist, that are voting for me, okay. But, like, I'm not, you know, it doesn't say anything. But, like, it fucking does. You know, like you're the person that these people are looking up to. Like, look at the kind of person that is electing you. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, Eddie, Diana's dad, is very, very anti Bolsonaro. Mm-hmm. And his whole agenda kind of situation. He admits, he admits that the fact that his daughter was white passing had colored eyes, and it was conventionally pretty, definitely played a role as to how the big how big the case got and came to be seen. There are many Lianas out there, he says. They're killed every day, but they're not the daughters of rich people. 
because his political because of his political stance he's very heavily criticized online some people go as far as to say he would personally hand liana over to the person who killed her i know it makes no fucking sense but i mean Ali would even go to run for office quite a few times admitting that he only went into politics because of his because of the tragedy He was initially in favor of measures like reducing the age of criminal responsibility. But then he realized that this might have been the easy way out, but it just wasn't the right way. Yeah. People just tend to gravitate to what feels good, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if you don't think, like if you don't actually take the time to think through, which is what I think happens to a lot of more radical people, they just don't mm -hmm. think about what they're saying, um, you, like, you're never going to change your mind. Like if you're yeah. if you're just like okay let's castrate all the rapists, but you don't think oh mm -hmm. well rapists do, don't necessarily get their pleasure out of penetrating people, like yeah. you would never change your mind. And yeah. you know what's so sad about this whole thing? Well, everything's sad. Mm -hmm. But like two <laughs> weeks after after she was found, um, one of the policeman i think it was like the lead investigator was over at Addie's house and he got like mm -hmm. a bunch of mail and he was uh swifting through the mail and like he stopped and he like was staring at a letter for a while and then when he opened mm -hmm. it he was like oh my god and it was a letter of acceptance that liana had gotten into like one of the best universities of sao paulo for oh Vesh. my god yeah she, she had so like hard yeah she Jeez. had like gotten in and he was like oh my god like can you imagine like i just got chills like imagine that It's so sad i'm so sorry i'm bumming we're bumming you guys out listeners yeah. this is horrible <laughs> yeah we apologize Jeez. but it has to be said i'm like uh different to say so felipe's parents defended the maximum sentence to those involved in the crimes The family, the family underwent a lot of negative press initially because people from Santa Rita spread rumors that Felipe and Champinha were known acquaintances who did a bunch of drugs together. Like, if you don't have anything useful to say, don't fucking say anything at all. <sighs> Lenice, Felipe's mom, told reporters that yes, they had met and he had played a soccer match with his killer in the past, but that was it. And like... Guys, just to explain this, in Brazil, mm. if you see a group of people playing soccer, you don't need to know them. You, you can just walk up mm. to them and be like, oh, can I join in? That's it. Yeah, not you don't even have to be just take your shirt off, shirts and skins kind of situation. Like, And just jump in. Yeah, it's so common. Yeah. So, they weren't friends. The false accusations also began to boil against the Café family. Since Felipe's older, bro older brother, Rafael, he was like a junior officer in the police force he had like just joined mm. um he got to hear everything firsthand so imagine like being a cop and you're just hearing all these conspiracy theories about your family being a bunch of criminals <sighs> the worst so people were accusing them of orchestrating the entire thing which makes no fucking sense because Felipe was murdered so why would they plan yeah. this like what was the end goal Lenisi would also sue those behind the TV show Investigação Criminal because they put pictures of Felipe's corpse in the TV show without asking for permission. 
It's fucking awful, man. Like, who, like, who does that? So, I want to, uh, actually, I didn't do this in the last episode, but I want to end this episode with two quotes. One from Lenise and one from mm-hmm. Ari. Quote from Ari. God's the one who forgives. I don't forgive anybody. Which is how I feel about this Whoa. whole thing. And, and then a quote from Lenise. When children bury their parents, they're burying the past. When parents bury their children, they're burying the future. Every day, we lose part of our future. Which is so sad. That's... Oof. Yeah. And I'm kind now... Of like, without words right now. Yeah. And if they were alive right now, Felipe would be almost my sister's age. He would be almost 36. And Liana would be almost 33 so they're fucking young like i bet Mm -hmm. you a lot of our listeners are the same age so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah guys so that was it yeah and it sucks that like i mean i already said this i think he was on the daniela Petty's episode that you know people get out of jail and you know crimes go kind of impugn you know the these people they have a life after you know not champagne but the rest of them yeah. they participated in and they have a life but the family like they don't, don't they don't yeah you know i mean they do but like you know you kind of you're the one that's gonna suffer like all the punishment on the sentence you know and yeah one of them is every, already out every of time it. this comes up like in the media every year you know every year or every time bolsonaro says point. something <laughs> absolutely man yeah. And yeah. so, like, in two years, he's going to be reelected. Yeah. Like, we got to hear it all again. All over again. And even worse, you know? Yeah. And, like, one of them is already out of jail because he was only sentenced mm-hmm. to seven years. Champagne's not getting out of jail because they're not going to let him get out of jail. Like, I, I think the cops would actually rather kill him first than let him <laughs> be set free. But, like, the other yeah. ones. So, this happens. 17 years ago right so typically mm-hmm. as we've seen from our past uh, episodes people don't really spend more than 20 years in jail for murders oh my god mm-hmm. my nephew just scared the fuck out of me <laughs> <laughs> he walked in here and he just whipped me with his little rubber <laughs> sword can I help you <laughs> yeah where was I going oh my god I yeah so no like idea. we don't really okay. see people spend more than 20 years in jail so if they like they're probably gonna be let out within our very yeah like soon lifetime like i bet you they're gonna be lynched max yeah i bet you they're gonna be lynched honestly Mm -hmm. they're gonna get lynched or something Mm -hmm. like that just like the red light bandit he was out of jail for like a few years and then they got rid of him which you know what Good riddance. Oh, you guys. Uh, Suzani. They're doing two movies about Suzani. Mm-hmm. And this is so interesting. I got, like, chills. Did you watch, like, the trailers and stuff? I didn't. I, I do not like the casting. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't agree with the casting either. But, like, I still want to watch it. And I don't know how I'm going to watch it. Like, I want to watch the movies. I know, but still. So they're putting out two movies. One of them is telling the story on Suzanne's perspective. 
you know, like Suzani telling the story and the other one, uh, the boyfriend telling the story. Mm-hmm. So it's the girl who killed her parents and the boy who killed my parents. That's yeah. the name of the movies. Mm-hmm. And they're coming out like on the movies uh, in theaters, like both at the same time. And so people are going to like jump from one session to the next. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. But people are mad. People are super mad. Because when is it coming we, out? I don't next know. Month, very right? soon. Yeah. I feel like it's people, March like, or April watch all the true crime stuff from the u.s but as soon as we produce anything in brazil how dare you talk about this case like i want to hear all about ted bundy but not uh susanne von richthofen right yeah especially because she's been uh kind of vibrant in the media recently because she's been do you want to talk about this because i don't want to be like you know writing on here (laughs) she she got into uh college actually she got into like a hospitality type of course in uh, type of major in college, so yeah, you She's might like school. Yeah, like we, if you're listening to this and you are one of her classmates, we would love to interview you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would love for that to happen. Yeah. Although, yeah. like, I don't understand why she would want to put herself through that. This just shows me that she thinks she is above things. Because I'm like, why would you want to, like, go into a public university where everyone knows you're a fucking yeah. murderer? Like, that doesn't yeah. make sense to me. I would understand, like, online classes, but, like, mm-hmm. not in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Unbelievable. But, I mean, if I was in jail for, I don't know how many years, I would have gone to any school. I don't care. Any course engineering sign me up you know oh my god i would go to med school <laughs> very long <laughs> imagine girl who decapitated her neighbors becomes a surgeon <gasps> you never know <laughs> she knows everything about anatomy now exactly <laughs> hands-on experience <laughs> exactly exactly oh my god this is awful it is but anyways yeah Anyways, guys, I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy that Suspiria is back. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of, like, interesting cases on the works. Mm-hmm. And we're excited to, like, you know, keep doing this. Soon we're going to have Sam back, too. Because we like Sam. And Sam's it's a very, very integral part of this podcast, okay? And she'll be back with all the three of us for the first time doing a whole episode. Because we haven't episode. done that. A drunk episode, yes. Sam is actually Sam's... thinking about launching her own podcast, which I hinted at uh, during our should. last episode. Uh, uh-huh. So we'll see if that happens. We're going to peer pressure yeah. her into doing it. Yeah, she has our full support if she does. Yeah. We love you, Sam. All right. Um, but yeah. Do we have anything else to say? I don't. I don't think so. Just stay tuned. Yeah. Oh, no, we do. What? If you guys don't know, if you speak Portuguese, we have another podcast that oh, you yeah, can listen yeah, to yeah. because you can't you can't just have enough ever of our own voices, right? Yes. So, yeah, it's called Tupini Crime. Mm-hmm. T-U-P-I-N-I Crime. Mm-hmm. First time I've spelled it right here. I always, <laughs> like, skip some letters. I don't know how to spell. And you guys can check it out. We're doing tons of different cases and like cases that if you're here in the u.s and you listen to the you know american true crime 
podcast you probably heard all of them but that's fine because it's us talking about it and they don't have it down there okay yeah it's so different. yeah this week we did menendez brothers yes so that's interesting yeah and past um the week before that we did heaven's gate mm-hmm. two episodes on heaven's gate yeah. so that was really fun and yeah you guys can listen to it if you want yes. no pressure and if you came from tupini Crimi, hello congratulations go listen congratulations. to all of our other episodes <laughs> you have many many to listen so yeah uh goodbye guys i hope you guys have a good end of the world laters haters ciao thank you for listening to another episode of suspiria a true crime podcast if you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on apple podcasts and also follow us on social media we're on twitter and instagram as Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol, you can follow her at Suspiria Carol. And you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at SuspiriaPodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao! Ciao.